now, from beyond our dimension, this is the Jeff Mara Podcast. Here's Jeff. My guest is author Dr. Susan Plunkett, who is a New York State licensed clinical psychologist for 33 years. Her favorite part of her work is interpreting dreams, which she believes are messages not only from the unconscious, but also into lives which we are simultaneously living on Earth as well as other galaxies. Today we're going to talk about dreams, multiple realities, and more. Dr. Plunkett, thank you so much for being my guest today and welcome. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to be with you. What made you decide to become a Jungian Jungian psychologist over a Freudian or some other type? Because Jung was a mystic. Um an intuitive and a mystic and open to all kinds of esoteric things, which made his approach much more attractive to me and his view of the unconscious as, as vast inside of us as the starry heavens are outside of us. Whereas Freud thought of the unconscious as kind of an attic or a dumping ground Mm. for stuff we couldn't tolerate. Jung felt it was a whole world and there was gold in it as well as stuff we might not want to look at. Is it true that Jung believed that dreams were generated from past lives? He believed that that dreams were coming from the wisest, most ancient part of ourself, which he called our million-year-old person who knew us better than anyone in in our life better than we knew ourselves, and that this being speaks to us every night in our dreams if we want to listen so they're coming from lots of different places because this ancient eternal aspect of ourselves knows everything about us and the universe since he's stating that it's our million year old self do you think that he believed that we are eternal oh yes he believed that Therapy was never done until we came into alignment with our spiritual aspect, with our eternal aspect. Mm. He had two great marriages in his teachings, the marriage of the conscious mind and the unconscious mind, and the marriage of the conscious self, the the outer self as manifesting as a man or a woman, and the internal self, which would be our opposite. Hmm. And we needed to bring together the opposites of conscious and unconscious and physical self and internal self to be whole. Did Jung actually write a lot about past lives in general? No, I I don't think he, he did write a lot about that. I mean, he was a prolific writer, but I don't, I don't recall reading much about that. He wrote more about his theories and he was careful about what he wrote because he was writing between 1900 and 1961 when he Mm -hmm. died Mm -hmm. and the world was more conservative then, particularly in Switzerland. So he, he was more conservative in the things he wrote about, although he wrote about amazing stuff, but it was at the theoretical level. If you could talk to him today, what would you talk to him about? Oh, my God. If anytime someone says to me, who's the one person, if you could sit on a bench with anybody and talk, it would be young. But in fact, 
I have talked to him mm. because my sister died, my younger sister died of cancer, and I wasn't at peace with her death. And I wanted to speak to her, and I went to a life between life regression therapist so that I could cross over to the other side and speak to her. And the way you do that is the, it takes about eight hours, four hours at two different times. The regression therapist, the psychologist, takes you to your last death and you experience that death. And then you're in the place where you go after you die. And then you can contact people that have crossed over that you want to speak to. And when I crossed over, the first person who met me before I saw my sister was young and tears just as I was laying on this chaise with this psychologist, tears were just pouring down my face. And I wasn't talking because in that realm, you're communicating via mental telepathy. And the psychologist kept asking me things and wanting me to say what I was experiencing so that he could get it on the tape for me. Mm. And I just felt like he was being a nuisance that I just was because everything was telepathic. Jung was telepathic. And he took me to my father who was deceased, who appeared as a purple oval. And behind my father was another oval and it was my sister. And I was so relieved to see her and to communicate with her. And after we had our communications, Jung took me to a place which was in its theoric higher dimensional version of his tower, which is situated on Lake Zurich. And he taught me how to use color and sound to do healings. And he taught me the value of vibration, the vibration of color and the vibration of sound. And it was, and we were in Lake Zurich together as I was a blue oval. He was a purple oval like my father. And it was all communicated through mental telepathy. And the whole time uh, I could feel a little contact with my physical body, which because that psychologist was holding me in the third dimension. And my, I was just weeping the whole time with the beauty of it, with the beauty of that world, the beauty of how easy communication was with my father, with my sister, with Young. And of course, I didn't want to come back. Um, but the psychologist's job, and we had set up certain sounds that when he rang them, I would have to come back. So, of course, I did come back, <clears throat> but it's a very appealing place. And if you're worried about your loved ones, there is no death. There's just like, this is a rental. This body is a rental, a temporary rental, so that we can exist in this dimension. We downgrade our vibration so that we can fit in here. But we are so much more than this body. We are vast. We are vast and, and divine. We are vast and divine, every one of us. Um, so 
I mean, I would have liked to ask Young more, but that's what he chose to give me. And uh, and the, the psychologist who was doing the regression said, do you want to train uh, to do this kind of work? Because I'm getting that you could do this. And, and I asked the self that I was, he asked me when I was on the other side, and that self said, no, I'm very happy um, working with clients through their dreams, which are another door into the universe, and and just channeling my books, which I didn't know I was supposed to do until Intuitive told me, you've been putting off this task too long. I didn't start writing until I was in my 60s. Um, and I didn't know how to write or want to write. And they said, it'll just come to you. And I said, no, because I'm afraid to channel. I block it out. Occasionally I channel in sessions with clients without meaning to. Something drops in. I know it isn't me, my thought. So, But I block that stuff usually when I'm awake. So they deliver it to me from the formless realm in my dreams, which feels much safer to me. And then I write in the morning. And I, you know, if I'm working with clients, I'm patients. I, if something comes through, then I'll share it, but I don't ask for it. One thing that I think is great about you is that not only are you willing and accepting to talk about channeling, you are a channeler, whereas I would assume that many, many of your colleagues would say that that's all nonsense. Oh, yeah. I think mainstream psychology is not ready for that yet. But the fact is, they're all channelers, too. Everyone can do it. Everyone can do it. Everyone Everyone gets messages, actually. We call it intuition. and But what is intuition? Intuition is a knowing. And where did the knowing come from? I believe it came from your greater self. I think our higher self is channeling to us as, as one source and gives us intuitions. In this case, these books, several shamans and intuitives, um, have were the ones who told me to do it um and they said the information would come from the formless realm from a council in the formless realm very you know connected to source as are all of we connected to source um and that it was i could trust it and so i do trust it and also sometimes books fall into my hands that I guess I'm supposed to read and I never know where I got it or how I got it. Suddenly I have it. And it, because they contain information that they want put into story form because my books are stories because that's how they've told me to write them because stories are easier for people to absorb. We like archetypes. We like heroes and anti-heroes. Mm-hmm. We like goddesses. You know, we like, mythic creatures it gives a glamour to life and stories are easier to absorb that's why i write in story form stuff that i believe is true we quite often talk about uh your higher self and your higher self is located on the other side and perhaps only part of you is here so when we go to the other side 
If that's true, and since everybody's higher self is always there, do you think we can contact anybody on the other side when we're there? Yeah, because they're all there too. Right. So that's why when I went over, I saw several aspects of people who are actually still living. Mm -hmm. And I realized, yeah, because we don't incarnate our entire... We're... We are multi. We are multiplex beings. We have many. Our oversoul is made up of many souls, many aspects of us, living simultaneously. People tend to believe in uh, past lives, but I've come to believe that because physicists tell us there's no time, that everything is simultaneous. We could be simultaneously living on Earth in the 1800s and now. We could be simultaneously living in other galaxies on other planets. And I have had dreams of myself living on other planets. That's the only conscious, not conscious, but that's the only way I know that I'm living on other planets is through my dreams. And I believe that I'm visiting my other self when I see myself living there in a different form sometimes than a bipedal form with two other appendages and a head with mm-hmm. with eyes because i think we have other forms in other places that are suited to those places at least for me and maybe for most people i think the hardest part to grasp is there being more of us, you know, more of us, this higher self, like what else is there to us, you know, and how to yeah. communicate and, and experience all that there is besides just what we have here. Right. Um, well, the major, most wonderful aspect of ourself is our connection to the divine, to source, that we are and all of our multiple selves are um, having experiences in whatever time period we think we're in whatever galaxy we think we're in as an aspect of source of all that is of of light that and many of our experiences we are not physicalized it is a rare privilege to take form because most at least what i've been told is that most of our most beings most are not physicalized. They don't, they are vibrating energy of some form, but they don't take a physical body. This is a a unique thing that we have going on on Earth. And it happens in some other planets, but it is really unique and wonderful to have a human life. It is a great blessing to have a form and experience life as a form. And that's one of the things that comes up in the trilogy that I've been directed to write, that there are beings from the fifth dimension who have volunteered to help Earth uh, move into the fourth dimension smoothly on the path of light, light and freedom from oppression. And most of them have never, they've never been a human before, they've never been on Earth before. Mm. And the laws governing Earth and this I believe is true, that you you are not supposed to interfere here, although many entities do, 
you are not supposed to interfere here if you have not been born here because there's there's a quarantine around earth which is supposed to keep um travelers and ets out so the wanderers have had to be born as human infants in my books and grow up and then remember that they've wandered here from another dimension from a higher dimension um and it's not easy to remember that because we all pass through the veil of forgetting when we are born as babies we pass through the veil of forgetting and we don't remember our multiplex self or that we came from source so it's a big task to be born as a human and then wake up and realize that many of us millions of us uh came from higher dimensions and took this form the most famous writings about this uh is the law of one the raw material Hmm. and the raw material was channeled in the early 80s by a trio of people who were able to achieve a frequency that allowed raw who is a collective entity from the sixth dimension to come through and be recorded speaking through carla ruckert's voice it's a very very amazing and wonderful work uh dan elkin who was a physicist uh was a questioner and she was the voice and then Jim was the recorder and it took the unique combination of their energies to open enough of a channel frequency to to bring in this this six dimensional being and they themselves all three of them were wanderers from the high fourth and fifth dimension um, which was probably why they were came together and were able to do it. And they didn't know they were wanderers until Ra told them that they were wanderers. So a lot of the information in my story echoes the raw material and that information. And I've shared some of that in the story form that many people on earth, millions, I don't know how many millions, are actually here holding the balance on earth. Um, from higher dimensions because they volunteered to do it. And that's a really beautiful thing. Do you think that a lot of wanderers get stuck here because the human experience is an amazing experience and they forget that they're a wanderer and it's almost, you know, like a trap? Yeah, some do get stuck. Um, Not everyone wakes up. Some do get stuck. And then they're eventually everyone finds their way back to source. So they may get stuck for in what human times would be several hundred thousand years. Um, The thing, it's not so bad to be stuck. It's just bad. It would be not good if the dark side, which also would like to control earth, but I think they have lost the game, um, could get control of them because Mm. it's a big prize for say a dark lord from Orion who slips through the quarantine, doesn't incarnate. And that's part of the story in Wanderers on Earth, how the dark lords of Orion, whether um, they're reptilian or serpent or dragon, um, 
if they try to kill off the wanderer if they can't get control of them. But mm. of course, you can't kill anyone or anything because we're all souls and it's just another part of the journey. Well, you mentioned the dark entities. Do you think that what's going on in Eastern Europe has anything to do with dark I versus do. light? I absolutely do. I think we have mythological classic. We have the hero. We have the anti-hero. We have the goddess of Ukraine. It's, it's a mythic battle between the dark and the light, between oppression and freedom, between democracy and totalitarianism. And it's being played out right there in Eastern Europe. And it's, it's amazing. Um, it's amazing and painful. Um, but it is, it, is, it is oppression versus freedom. And people are fighting for freedom because the dark side likes to oppress people enslave people and and the light wants everyone to know that they are divine and extremely powerful it's just a different and i think it has to be like that for evolution of consciousness if there wasn't dark energy or dark we wouldn't know light because we're in a planet that's full of dualities old and young, high and low, rich and poor. It's a dualistic planet. So in order for us to grow toward the light, we need to understand darkness. A lot of my guests are near-death experiencers. Are there similarities between dreams and near-death experiences? You know, that's a beautiful question. Um, I think that there are, because in a dream, like in a near-death experience, you're freed from the dominance of the waking consciousness. When we're awake, we're focused on our three-dimensional reality. You know, it seems very solid to us, even though it isn't. In fact, when we're awake, we're always blinking in and out of other realities. But we block them out because it's just easier for us to navigate in three-dimensional reality if we see it as consistent and solid. It is not consistent and it is not solid, but we block out other information for the most part. And in a near-death experience, we, we are not focused on three-dimensional reality. We're freed from those types of senses and we're using our inner senses to travel in a near-death experience. And they're independent of our seeing, hearing, which distract us from our inner senses, from our clairvoyance, our clairaudience. It's the same in a dream. In a dream, we are free of the limitation of our three-dimensional senses, and we're using our inner senses. You know, we're, we're traveling in our light body. We are actually traveling, as people know from remote viewing if they see something in a dream and they wake up and they check it, it, it can be exactly so. It's not only yogis who can bi-locate and remote view. We, we all do it in our dreams. And we can all do it. We just don't do it because three-dimensional reality is so compelling. We're so caught up in it. Our needs, our wants, our loves, our hates. You know, we're all caught up in this that we forget 
that we are a much greater entity living in many dimensions simultaneously and many worlds simultaneously because we just get caught up we're living this life and in a way that's fine we're we chose to live this life so we're living it but we don't have to despair because we're also living <coughs> other simultaneous lives and we can ask for our other selves to help us if we're having a bad time call on your higher self call on your other selves ask them for help call on source <coughs> there's a lot we can ask for have you personally had any type of paranormal experiences or a spiritual awakening in your life especially prior to becoming a psychologist that could have been a catalyst for you to get into this work you know i was always the kind of child that the teacher was saying you're daydreaming i'm moving your desk away from the window you're sitting over by the wall and i remember asking my first grade teacher what are we doing here what are we doing here and she leaned over my desk and she said aren't you christian and i was and at 5 i was like what does that have to do with it it so didn't connect religion did not connect to what i was asking about what's going on why are we born what what's happening you know what are we doing what's the purpose of life so i think i was asking that all my life um and not until i was quite old like in my 60s did i really get it and it all come together i think i've been seeking answers my whole life um always been you know as a teenager going into the brahman bookstore to get readings and seeking in different ways using the tarot as a teenager uh the i ching as a teenager looking seeking um to figure out what we were doing here but so not until my 60s did i feel like I knew the answer and a lot of it came through the raw material and through channeling these books then it became clear we're all on a journey back to source now maybe I knew that in my 20s but I didn't understand what it meant but in my 60s I got it we're here to wake up we're here to help each other wake up and know that we are divine that our consciousness is divine and that we have this magnificent physical vehicle that allows us to experience so much and that we don't even use a quarter of the power that we have um so i'm very happy like that i mean that's my my current working thing that we're here to wake up and know that we're divine and god knows there's much more that we i can't fathom because i'm i'm in a human body when i'm awake talking to you and i'm just talking to you as my human self so i can't tell you what all my selves might know or my higher self might know they probably have a much more sophisticated understanding of what we're doing here but this is what they've helped me to know mm. that each of us is here to wake up and each of us is unique like every single snowflake that has ever fallen on earth is unique 
and every single being, dog, cat, fish, hamster, human, elephant, we're unique, octopus, we're all unique and, and all divine, all a spark of light. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And we don't need to be afraid of the dark side. If we're just connecting to our light, we don't have to fear. When we are on the other side, are we awake already at that time? And then when we come here, it's like we become asleep or are we not even awake on the other side? You know, that is a big question. And I've gone back and forth on it. Having gone to the other side in that life between life regression, I wasn't totally awake as I think my absolute highest consciousness would be. I could easily communicate by mental telepathy. I could move around by just suggesting it. And I was in a light form. I was a light form. But I did not know source. I wasn't capable yet of knowing what is source. You know, those those questions, like, I know we're part of source, but what is source ultimately? Even my brain on the other side, which could do much more than I can in my waking life here, didn't could not conceive of what source was. And I I'm I want to know that, you know. Like I used to think, well, when I transition out of this body and go to the other side, then I'll have all the answers. But having been to the other side, I didn't have all the answers. You know, I I had some, but I don't know how far you have to evolve in order to be able to comprehend what is source, what is ultimately the light, what is it ultimately, mm-hmm. and how can it have always been? And uh, you know, my uh, my brain isn't big enough for that. It isn't. I don't know. It's. I want to know, I want to know source, Mm -hmm. but I don't yet. And that's something I'm seeking. And I may have to go, you know, Ra said that, you know, there's seven octaves of consciousness of vibration and then another seven. And then we didn't know how many, but Ra was a six dimensional being. Many people on earth are third and fourth dimensional beings. Um, Ra's six-dimensional being and when he was asked well what is it like beyond the first octave he said I don't know (laughs) you know I don't even I don't know and he was already a six-dimensional being so I guess as we evolve we come to know more and more a different understanding of source as we evolve but I think of source as just light and of each of us as a as a spark of that light a beam of that light that we carry in our heart as an actual cell of god a cell of the divine that each of us has including animals plants everything is got a cell of the divine but that doesn't mean we can totally know it even yogis you know So do you feel that coming to a lower vibrational place like here 
and experiencing it somehow evolves us and stretches our consciousness so we can move up. That's why. That's why we do this. That's why we choose this. And this is a very special and amazing place because we actually have a physical form. We're not just vibrating energy. And that's fairly unique in all the galaxies and universes. Many do not uh, offer that opportunity to vibrate at a level where there can be what appears to be and is experienced as a solid physical form. So what do you think that we can do while we're here to wake ourselves up as well as help ourselves evolve? Be aware that we are divine. Be aware that we're creating our reality with the choices we make, that the, the better we know ourselves, and that is even on the psychological, the better we know our issues, uh, the less reactive we are, um, the happier we'll be. That The more we take ownership of our life, and rather than saying, oh, he did it to me, she did it to me, all that happened, blah, 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 blah. Jung said, famously said, and many things he said famously, but that which we think is fate, isn't just visited upon us. It is often the externalization of what we don't own on the inside. And so it has to happen to us on the outside so that we can wake up. But the more we own about ourselves, the more we know ourselves, the more we know our dark side, our own dark side. Am I selfish? Am I greedy? Am I thoughtful? Am I lazy? You know, yeah, we all are sometimes, but am I also generous and loving and caring and self-sacrificing like just look at what's going on in eastern europe people you know sending money and clothes and strollers and and then the brave people fighting oppression for all of us to hold light on the planet against embodiments of the dark side you know the anti-heroes and that brave guy the leader uh, in eastern europe who's like you know, I'm here, I'm standing firm. I'm standing firm to fight for the light, to fight for freedom against oppression. You know, that inspires us all. So we have choices to make. We have choices, every one of us. How am I going to greet the day? You know, am I going to, you know, there's this a really, I forget the name of it, a children's book, because Billy because Billy told his mother he loved her or something, and it sets off a chain. If you do one kind thing, tell your child, I love you before they go to school. You know, then they feel good and they're gonna be generous and help the next kid, let the next kid get on the bus first, you know, or help the kid who has a, has a, is on crutches or, you know, and then that kid helps somebody. And it's just contagious love. Oh, that's what I'm speaking of. To get back to dreams, I'm assuming that there are different types of dreams. It seems like for me personally, I have, you know, generally regular dreams, but sometimes I have dreams that may be more profound or, or I guess, special. Yeah, big dreams. Mm-hmm. And you tend to remember them all day long after right. you have them. Um, and I think we all have those big dreams. Every dream is a gift. 
And it's really a good idea to write your dreams down because writing them, either typing them in your phone or writing them in a dream journal, anchors them in three-dimensional reality. And even if you don't analyze it, the dream works on you and it affects you and it changes you. So, I mean, I like to say to people, you know, even if you don't want to analyze your dream, carry it around in your pocket as if it's a little crystal or treasure and take it out once in a while during the day and look at it. What are the symbols? Because dreams speak in symbolic language um, because the unconscious, where they come from, prefers images to words because the images can have many meanings. A glass house, you know, you, what does that mean? A planet turning upside down in space. So the dreams will will present you with images. And then you, you turn the image over in your mind. What is my higher self trying to say to me with this dream? Now, what is it? Why is it giving me this dream now, this big dream that makes me feel a certain way all day long? Have you had one of those big dreams recently? Recently, no. I can give you one dream that was kind of a weirdest dream for me was I was sitting in a cafe outdoor with a friend and some being that I had never met before, and he was explaining to me why the global warming is happening, and he was saying it's because the Earth makes an oval around the sun, and the degree of the oval has changed. And I just thought that was the strangest thing. I, you know, it's kind of one of those dreams, like, where did that come from? I even went and looked up eventually, is that true about, and they have a name for the shape of the oval. And yeah, it's like an ellip- ellipse. That right. was a visitation. That dream was a visitation by a being who wanted to tell you not to be afraid. That was a being of light because Mm -hmm. you always can tell the difference if it's a being of light because beings of light never evoke fear. The dark side, they work by evoking fear, scaring you, scaring you. The light works through love and easing of fear. And that dream is meant to ease your fear away from blame. There's so much blame that humans are taking and getting. And this dream is telling you this is a natural process. This will happen and then the, the ellipse will change. And don't take it on as blame. So that was the light being visiting you at the hmm. cafe. And light beings slip into normal settings like that so that we're not frightened. They don't want to frighten us and they don't want to scare us. That's a beautiful dream to have. Hmm. What about recurring dreams? Recurring dream happens because the unconscious feels that they've been trying to give you a message and you're not getting it. So it repeats it as if a like a mother will say to a kid, you know, how many times did I tell you, you know, button your code, it's 10 below zero, but, you know, so it's like the unconscious will for a time, repeat the message, repeat the message, hoping you'll get it until eventually it will give up if you don't get it, but it will try hard by repeating. The recurrent dream is the unconscious, like saying, come on, I told you this before, I like, get it, get it. 
I've had a few times where I've traveled in dreams, like to Europe or somewhere, and I've had it enough where one morning I woke up and I finally had to realize I've been dreaming this. I've actually never been there, but I had dreamt it enough where I felt like I had been there. That that dream sounds to me like it is one of your simultaneous selves who lives there, and you are visiting that, that self in that dream repeatedly because you have been there because an aspect of your greater self lives there. You're saying that like we're living at the same time, multiple lives. Yes. Yes, we are. And we can ask our multiple selves to help us Hmm. if we're having a rough patch. So you have two books already out. You're a science fiction writer, but you said that you like to write out your stories in fiction, I guess like to teach, right? Yeah. But do you think there is a lot of truth within your fiction stories? Yes. I think that this trilogy, which I'm now working on the third book, the first book is Mission from Venus. The second book is The Wanderers on Earth. And the third book, they haven't given me the title yet, and I'm about halfway through it. Um, and then the trilogy will be done, but they've said there are many more books to come. I said, well... You better hurry up. I'm 73. I don't know how many more, how much longer I'm going to be pulling stuff in from you. But Uh um, I said, what what did you, oh, is it true? Mm -hmm. Yes. I think that it's in story form, but I think it is metaphor. It's a metaphor for what is actually going on. I think they're trying to tell humans what's going on on earth and why we incarnated and where we go after we leave and and just how wonderful we are just how we're all part of the oneness like ross said in the law of one and there's nothing to fear because we are divine beings ultimately everyone makes it back to source now you can make the journey easier or harder on yourself and the books kind of show that and even the dark side has their part to play Because according to Ra, after the sixth dimension, the high sixth dimension, there's no way forward back to source. So all the people that have been traveling the dark side, they have to jump onto the path of light. So we use the dark side to learn in the in the first six dimensions. After that, it's light. It's light for everybody. So yeah, I believe that they're true that they didn't come from my brain, that they came from the formless realm. And I've been tasked with just bringing them into form, just typing out the story in form. So I'm a transcriber. Are there spiritual metaphysical lessons to be learned from your books? Yeah. And if so, can you share some of them with us? I think the main metaphysical lesson is that we are all absolutely connected. So what each of us does matters. And we're all connected because we're all one spark of light, of the great light. And so that adage, what you do for yourself is also done for another. Just like what you do for another is done for you. Because the law of one says we are all the same. We are all unique aspects of the oneness and if we understand that it's even 
bearable to tolerate the role that the dark side has to play. Mm. That is the main spiritual lesson, but there are little other ones woven in there. Mm. And there are like ideas for all kinds of things, health and just stuff that they told me that I put in there because I have characters, you know, who, who have incarnated as human and they love and they work and they go around to different places in the world to try to help. I'm sending them now to Eastern Europe. Do you think consciousness is a separate thing from our body or do you think our body is a manifestation of consciousness in this realm? Uh, I, I think both are true. Consciousness, I think, there, I think there's collective consciousness and I think we tap into it. Um, we, we, we tap into it all the time and that's for intuition and that's for psychic knowledge. I think people who are psychics are tapping into that collective consciousness. It may be coming through a guide or they may think it's coming through a guide, but there's a big consciousness. We even know now that psychologists, neuropsychologists know that memories aren't even stored in the physical brain. You know, they're in the cloud. The cloud is not just the cloud. It's literally, there's a cloud of consciousness, a beautiful, vast consciousness. And we're just downloading all kinds of stuff all the time. And we have a choice about what to download. You know, where do you, where are we going to put our tuner, our focus on positive things or on negative things in order to create our reality, in order to create our physical body um, and our physical experience in this realm? Are we going to be miserable or happy? We can, we choose. We choose. Many things are not done to us. We, we are the creators of a lot that happens. Even in our current lives, right? Yes. Yes, yeah. especially in our current lives. I spoke with Dr. Eben Alexander, the neurosurgeon oh, yeah. who had the NDE, yeah. and he exactly. told me he cited somebody else's research, and he said that there is no part of the brain that you can cut out that the person will lose long-term memory. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. You may lose the ability to change memories from short to long, but you can cut out anything and the long-term memories are still there. Yeah. Because they're not in there. Right. They're out in the cloud. He was totally transformed by his near death experience because mm. before that he was kind of a rigid guy, mm. a strict science guy. Mm-hmm. And then after it, he became so spiritual. Yeah. Do you meditate? Yeah, I do meditate. meditate. What, what type of meditation do you do? You know, I, I switch it off. When I was in the 1970s, when I was in my early 20s, I learned TM, Transcendental Meditation. And so I used a mantra in those early years. Occasionally, I still do that. But now I do a very simple meditation, which anyone can do. <clears throat> I lie flat on my back, on my bed or my yoga mat. For like an hour or two a day <clears throat> and I just affirm my spirit my soul you know which I believe is hanging out around my body part of it anyway part of it is other places <clears throat> I just acknowledge that I am more than this body and then I acknowledge my greater being my higher self and then I acknowledge that I am the spark of the divine that I am connected to the divine and then I just breathe 
and try to focus on knowing the divine, asking to know it. And I'll breathe in, I'll breathe out, my mind will wander, I'll see visions, but I just let it go. It's a way of just tuning in to my greater being and acknowledging that I am not just this temporary rental that I'm walking around in the third dimension. You mentioned that you are a channeler. Can you recall, and if so, can you share the very first time you ever channeled and how that played out for you and maybe how you possibly were doubting it and how you decided that this was real? The first time I was really aware of getting information that didn't come from me reaching into the collective to get it was as a young psychologist about 35 years ago. Um, And it just dropped in something that I was told about the patient that I needed to know to help them. Um, Because the current channeling now, because just because of probably my fear of just being an open channel all the time, I shut it down after I write is coming to me when I'm out of body in a sleep, I'm sleeping and I'm going out connecting with and sometimes i'm aware of this in a dream that i'm connecting with this council in the formless realm that is giving me information Uh, or sometimes i can see that i'm on another in another galaxy Um, but when i wake up i'm not actively channeling i i they told me to write in the morning and i do and because i see patients later in the day but I never hardly try to see patients not in the morning so that I can write. And then I'm just writing and it's just coming out. And sometimes I'm aware that they're changing a word or that they seem to be around, but uh, it's not like I see them, you know, like I can see you, except in my dreams. And that's probably because of my fear of blocking it in waking life. Your fear of what? And because of not wanting other entities coming in or something. Hmm. I'm not sure why I block it in waking life. I used to create um, fictional stories for another one of my YouTube channel. And it was kind of like writing stories. And a lot of times stories or ideas would come for me, not when I'm physically trying to do that, but when I'm out doing something else like taking a shower or mowing the lawn or something completely away from that. But then the story will just come to me. That's right. Because it's given to you from either your higher self, a guide or one of your other simultaneous selves, and you're not blocking it. Mm. Your focus is, you know, we get into a trance sometimes when we're watering or mowing and stuff like that. Because then if someone approaches you, you might jump which lets you know, oh, I was in a trance. So when you're in a trance, stuff, your other aspects are delivering things to you. It's easier for them if you're not consciously focused and blocking them. What is the difference then between being a medium and channeling? You know, I, I don't know all the stuff about all these terms, mm-hmm. but there are voice channels. Very often mediums are voice channels. They just, they 
they leave, some of them just leave their body and allow the other being to come in and do the work. Um, that's like full on. I don't do that, at least not consciously, um, because that would be too frightening to me. But there are wonderful mediums who just get Carla Rucker in the Law of One, raw material. She got out of the way and raw took over her vocal cords. Jane Roberts, who channeled Seth, she got out of the way and Seth took over her vocal cords. Um, there are people who do that and they feel okay to do that. They give up their physical body and allow a higher entity, or I hope it's always a higher entity for their sake, to take over. I've never allowed that hmm. because it's too scary to me. Why is I'd that? I'd rather just get the information because I guess I'd be thinking like, what if I can't get back? Yeah. I know it would ultimately be okay, but what if it's not the entity that I think it is? Could I trust myself to know who it is? Because there's all kinds of entities. I mean, ultimately, every entity is divine. Whatever role they're playing in whatever drama they're in. Um, but I'm in the third dimension here, and I still have fear. I know that there's love and fear, and I try to come from love, but I, I, I am a being who has fear, too. So I can't do what those mediums do who give up their body and their vocal cords and their eyes. All right, Susan, well, I'm running out of time with you. So again, um, can they find great. your... Thank you. And I agree. Can can they find your books on your website or can I go to Amazon? They can find them on my website. They can go to Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yes, what? Susan Plunkett has one T. Mm -hmm. And the books are... The Mission from Venus and the Wanderers on Earth. And please enjoy them if, if whoever wants to read them. All right. Besides being an author and writing your third book and seeing patience, do you have anything else going on that you want us to know about? Probably, but I'm blocking. My eyes just fell on my Labrador retriever. I walk him every day. Mm. Um, I love dogs. I love animals. I have two cats and a dog. Mm. And... I'm raising my daughter. Well, she's 27. She doesn't need much raising. But I have a normal, I have a kind of normal-ish life. Although my daughter would disagree. She'd be like, woohoo, my mom is woohoo, get ready. <laughs> or mom, don't bring anything up when my friends come. <laughs> don't talk but inevitably, about... your friends love it. If people want to reach out to you and ask you questions or chit-chat with you, are you open to that? And if so... Yeah, it's, they can email me. My email is also on my website. The website is susanplunkett.com. Really simple, susanplunkett.com. And there's a contact button on there and they can email me All right, if they great. have any questions. All right, Susan, well, before we finish up, can you leave us with one last positive message? You are all divine. Every single one of you, whatever you might think of yourself, you are divine. Love yourself. Listen to your dreams and love yourself. Well, thank you for that message. And Susan, thank you again for being my guest today. Once you finish your once you finish your third book, contact me and let's get you back on to talk about it. Great. Great. I'd love that. All right. Thanks. Bye. Have a great rest thanks. of your day.
Bye-bye. You too. Bye. Thanks for watching the Jeff Mara podcast. I really appreciate you. Another way to show support is through YouTube memberships. And if you do, there are loyalty badges and other perks depending on your level of membership. All you need to do is click the join button underneath the video to find out more. Thank you for your support.